Good morning. Good morning. It's hard to follow actors like that, but I guess I'll have to. How much are we paying those guys anyway? Why don't we pray first? How's that sound? Father, um, you've called each of us here uh, today to this place because you want to do something great in each of our hearts. Father, you've shown it to us through your word over centuries of time. You've shown us that you're willing to do things that are just completely impossible with us. And in order to break into our worlds and to show us your love for us and how passionate you are for us. And Father, it's in in this season that we get to celebrate, to experience, and, and Father, hopefully, hopefully be changed once again um, by yet another one of these miraculous things, Father, the one miraculous thing that you did for all time to show your love for us. So, Father, this morning is, uh, is your word, is this, uh, this story is, uh, is revealed us once again. Lord, I just pray that, that the things that you're willing to do, the things that you have done in the past, would show us, Father, that, that there is nothing that you're not willing to do in order to come into our lives and, and to show us that love and to change us, to give us a hope, to give us a new destiny. So, Lord, I just pray for the people sitting before me right now, Lord, that, that your Holy Spirit would fill each of them, Lord, and that wherever they are, Lord, that they would hear from you today. And I pray for myself as I've continued to pray all week that, that I would just be uh, yet again another one of your messengers to your people. And it's in your Son, Jesus' name I pray. Amen. All right, turn with me, if you will, to Luke chapter 1. We're going to be looking at verses 26 through 38 this morning. Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. Um, while you're turning there, I just want to make a, a quick observation. Um, so often I, I find uh, humor in places that, uh, that maybe other people... Uh, don't. Um, if you've been around me very long, you've uh, probably, uh, um, that, that makes sense to you. But the thing that, uh, that I love is that God so often shows me humor even in the pages of His Scripture. Humor that just doesn't, uh, a lot of times, we don't catch. Last week, uh, Andrew masterfully preached the, the first message in this in this Christmas series, and uh, and told about some miraculous things that um, that were to happen, and to happen to an 
an old man named Zachariah and his wife Elizabeth. And um, as they were up before us acting last week, uh, which again, they did a masterful job as well, um, there, there was one part that, um, that God had kind of communicated to me several years ago. And that was the fact that the message that I have for you this morning is, is a miraculous uh, virgin birth. The message that we had last week, there was no virgin involved. And again, they were aged people. And I'm, I'm trying to be nice here because the gray's coming out all over my face as well. But that moment that Zechariah finally is able to communicate with no words the fact that they're going to have a child. And that meant that something had to happen in order for them to have that child. So the, the humor for me was in that twinkle in the eye that, that Zechariah could have had and also Miss Elizabeth at the same time. So uh, I don't have to go any further with that. There are children obviously in the room but um, I thought that to be quite, uh, quite funny the first time I got that, so I would share that with you. Obviously, you're not all getting it the same way that I did, but maybe you will on the ride home. Um, and specifically, if you are one of those aged people, um, it's, it's never too late, so I'll just, uh, I'll just leave it at that. We're going to talk about the impossible this morning, so I'll use that story to, to lead us up to the impossible. A few weeks ago, when Andrew asked me to, to preach this message, um, obviously this is, these are scriptures that are, that are taught year in and, and year out. And when he, when he first asked me, I, you know, it was like, yeah, cool, no problem. I've preached that three or four times. You know, I can, you know, I can kind of, as pastors, sometimes you'll hear the word, you know, microwave or, or nuke an old sermon and, and bring it back to life. And and that was kind of my initial intention was to pull out a few sermons that I'd had and, you know, and warm that up. But as I began reading, uh, and more importantly, as I began praying for what God would, would have communicated to us today, um, God began convicting me of some things. He began convicting me of the fact that, that I'm not coming to these these words of His to us, this miraculous, impossible thing, I'm not coming at them with awe and, and with the honor and just the, the rejoicing and celebration that should be happening as we come to these verses. And as I continued to pray, I, I, I looked back at those old sermons that I had preached and literally almost had to, well, I did in, in one specific sermon because... I feel I almost put Mary in a higher place than I did Jesus. Because you see, what we have in front of us today is, uh, is, is a message of, of God doing something miraculous, something impossible to save His people. Um, if you could see my Bible right now, God led me to, to highlight all of the places where He's mentioned. And it's virtually the whole story. We've got some characters here this morning, and that's, that's how God began unveiling that to me, is the, 
is this is kind of it's it's it is uh, played out like a play, but but this morning we're gonna we're gonna answer the question: What's impossible with God? So if you will, uh, let's let's rise and let's read these uh, let's let's read these words of His. In Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 26, he says, In the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and said, Greetings, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High, and the Lord God will give to him the throne of his father David. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be, since I am a virgin? And the angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore the child to be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. And Mary said, Behold... I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. You may be seated. So this morning we've got three characters that we're going to look at. The first one is um, this angel. We see in our first point this morning that the, the impossible uh, is shown through an angel named Gabriel. Now, um, this is one of the things that, that God used in order to, to, to get me thinking, uh, I believe, in the right direction this, this morning. And in verse 26, we see these words. It says, In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God. Is that a big deal? Now, I'm afraid that we look at this, uh, this, this statement, if you will, as if it's me telling my wife that I sent one of my kids from town to home. Okay? Big deal. Folks, this is God's Word to us. This is the beginning of a rescue min- mission for us. God sending His own Son uh, to save us, and the beginning of the process was the fact that he sent this angel, Gabriel, from himself. Is that something that's possible for us to do? Obviously, no. Um, so this morning, in order for me to, to help you to put, uh, to put God in the place that He deserves to be put in, in his message to us this morning, um, we've got to look at even his, his messengers and the things that he does to show us. 
first thing we're going to look at is the fact that these angel, this angel that he sent, and angels in, in general, they've been proven to, that they're real to us through numerous biblical accounts. Um, this was an awesome thing for me to do. Is I'd, I'd never really... Um, I have, I've read books on angels. I've, I've done some research and some study. But for some reason, this time, God just opened my mind to, to just see just how powerful uh, it is, the things that they have done in our midst. So to look in the Bible, we, we find one of the first accounts of, of angels in Genesis 16 and, and verses 6 through 8. Uh, and it's in, this is, uh, to, to give you some context here, this is, you know, Abram and, and Sarah, and they've been told that, you know, that they're going to have kids, and they're going to be as numerous as, as, as grains of sand, all of this. He's going to give them all of this stuff, but a lot of time has passed, and they don't have any kids. And Sarah decides that she's going to allow one of her uh, maid servants, if you will, father this child for her, and and she's allowed that to happen, and, and now she's changed her mind. She's allowed this woman into the house, and, and now this child is there, and now she's decided to, to kick this woman out. In verse 6 it says, But Abram said to Sarah, Behold, your servant is in your power. Do to her as you pleased. And Sarah dealt harshly with her, and she fled from her. So it was a tough situation. And then it says, the angel of the Lord found her by a spring of water in the wilderness, the spring on the way to, to Shur. And he said, Hagar, servant of Sarah, where have you come from and where are you going? God sent an angel in that moment to take care of one of his children. In Genesis 19, we see that, that God sends two angels to Sodom in the evening to rescue Lot. And it says, and Lot was sitting in the gate of Sodom. We see Jacob having a dream in Genesis 28. And in this dream, it says, and he dreamed, and behold, there was a ladder set up on the earth, and, and the top of it reached to heaven, and behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. I don't believe that this was meant just to be for some kind of cool movie. I believe God was communicating to us that this is really happening we see Moses in a situation where God's communicating to him through this burning bush. It says, Now Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian, and he led his flock to the west side of the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. And the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of the midst of a bush. And my fear is, folks, that we are more enamored by the fact that the bush is burning and it's not burning up than we are the fact that it says that an angel of the Lord was there. We can keep going and going and going. Hundreds and hundreds of accounts when we put those in the Old Testament and the New Testament together. In Psalm 34, 7, it says, The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear Him and delivers them. Psalm 91, 11 says, For He will command His angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. Psalm 103, 20, Bless the Lord, O you His angels, you, you mighty ones who do His word, obeying the voice of His word. Folks, I've got three pages of these. 
And I didn't realize until the early service it was going to take me a long time to read through all of that. So I'm going to challenge you to have the same type of experience that I had this week as, as I dove into what God's Word has to say about these messengers of God. They show up in virtually every miraculous thing that God does all through His Word. You'll find them there doing just impossible things on our behalf. And they normally show up when someone is threatened that has come to be a minister to God's people. Someone who's come to share the good news. So that's, that's looking back to the biblical accounts. Their existence is, is proven through numerous biblical accounts. Next, we see their existence proven through numerous modern-day accounts. Because, you see, I think that's where we all kind of land. We, we get to this place that, man, we're in awe of what God did then. And we forget about they're still real and active and living today. Do we believe that? I hope you do. Because here are some modern day accounts within the last hundred years or so. Uh, Billy Graham, uh, back in 1975, wrote a book that uh, dealt with, with angels. He called them God's secret agents. And he put this story in there. He says, The Reverend John G. Uh, Patton, a pioneer missionary in the new... How did Ken tell me this this one? <coughs> Hebrides. Hebrides. Yeah, I used my Kentucky slang, brides. No, that wasn't right. And I was corrected, and I'm thankful for it. And I'm glad you were here to fill in, because I still didn't get it. But he says in the, in the new Hebrides Islands, and he says he told a thrilling story involving the protective care of angels. Hostile natives surrounded his, his mission quarters one night, intent on burning the patents out and killing them. Uh, John Patton and his wife prayed all during that terror-filled night that God would deliver them. When daylight came, they were amazed to see that, that unaccountably the attackers had left. They thanked God for delivering them. But the story goes on. A year later, the chief of the tribe was converted to Jesus Christ. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. And Mr. Uh, Patton, remembering what had happened, asked the chief what had kept him and his men from burning down the house and killing them. The chief replied in surprise, Who were all those men you had with you there? The missionary answered, there, there were no men there, just my wife and I. The chief argued that they had seen many men standing guard, hundreds of big men in shiny garments with drawn swords in their hands. They seemed to circle the, the mission statement so that the natives were afraid to attack. Only then did Mr. Patron realize that God had sent his angels to protect them. The chief agreed that there was no other explanation. Could it be that God had sent a legion of angels to protect His servants whose lives were being endangered? Story after story after story of situations just like that. Where people have, have not only prayed and it happened, but where God saw fit to make sure that people were brought back into their life in order that they may know what He did in order to accomplish His purpose. So as I read through dozens of these this week, 
just literally hundreds of verses of Scripture, dozens of stories of, of, of literally just miraculous, awesome things happening. I was brought to a question. Why don't we see more of that happening in our lives? Now granted, I was brought to a moment of, of God reminding me of, of the people that He is saving in our midst. And that is just as great a miracle as Him having to send His angels out to protect those that are already saved. And, and obviously the purpose in all of that is for Him to protect those who are going to share the message, the good news of Jesus Christ, in order that others can hear and be saved. So my theory basically is, is pretty simple, guys. Every single one of these stories that I read where God literally sent legions of angels to protect His people were people who had just sold out to the gospel, just completely abandoned all that this world says you're to value and just took off in the name of the gospel. Now granted, you'll find the majority of these are, are, are some missionary that's in some kind of little village somewhere where their life is being threatened. But I believe that there are millions of untold stories of people in all over this, this, this America that we live in that are stepping out in faith and sharing the gospel in their workplace with possible fear of, of losing their job. Do you think that, that God could send an angel to your boss? Do we believe that, that God could send an angel to your school? I believe He wants to. But I believe He's waiting for us to, to sell out and to have that reckless abandon for Him. Do we want to, to have these kinds of stories told of our lives? Obviously, that shouldn't be our purpose for doing it but I believe it's available. And I think that's one of our, our, our biggest issues is that we say we believe it, but we really don't believe it's available for us. And again, that's the, the, the point that I had to repent and the fact that, that, that that's me. We get so caught up in our daily lives and caught up in, in the things of this world that, that we forget about the fact that, man, God is, he is working things out the beginning of the book of Ephesians, he, he talks about these, these things in the heavenly places that He's already worked out for us and, and that are happening in the midst of us right now that we, that we can't see. But He's willing to do anything to step into the lives of those who are, are selling out for Him. The last sub-point here on, under... Angels is the fact that we need to understand that their, their purpose is explained. Um, it was kind of ironic that I'm, I've been doing a study through Hebrews this year and, and I was brought back to the very first chapter of Hebrews and as awesome as it is, the things that we see that angels are doing in, in, 
in and around us, that what they've done in, uh, in, in the, the biblical times, if you will, and what they're even doing today for those who are, who are selling out and putting themselves at risk for the gospel. In Hebrews chapter 1, in verse 14, it describes of angels. It says, Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation? And we're going to look back at that as we, as we close today, looking at the impossible shown through, through a Savior. So the next person that we have on the, on the scene here is obviously Mary. So point number two, we see the impossible shown through a woman named Mary. And guys, this is, this is really where, where my eyes were opened to this, uh, these verses, this text, if you will. Uh, I will say for the very first time. I had always had this uh, mindset that, that Mary had just lived this perfect little life and, and that she had somewhat lived in a way that she deserved this, this favor that God had placed upon her. But this week God opened my eyes to the fact that Mary was simply a recipient, not a dispenser of God's grace. Because you see this, this term, oh, favored one, when you look it up in the the original language is it basically it just means full of grace. And she was just chosen to be a recipient of God's grace. Uh, if we look back at Ephesians chapter 1 uh, verses 5 and 6, it says he predestined us, uh, those who, uh, who have surrendered, those who have been saved, those who have been born again, those who have received the free gift of salvation predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of His will, and pay attention to this, to the praise of His glorious grace, which He has blessed us. So you see, Mary was really, as far as being worthy of this, being favored by God, by God allowing His own Son to be born miraculously through her, it was just simply because He chose her. Right? And you know what? That opens the realm up for me and for you. God wants to choose all of us to do the miraculous, right? I believe He does. Now, there are some things that we can learn from Mary. I do believe that, that God chose not to choose someone whose life He had to straighten out first. I believe that He had something that He needed and wanted to accomplish right then and there. He didn't need someone whose mind was, was full of, how am I going to straighten this life out? I believe God is working in both of those situations, but, but in this specific one, I, I think there's a few things for us to learn. 
I think the first thing that we can learn this morning is that, that Mary, uh, we do see a humble servant. 1 Peter 5, 6 tells us to, that we're to humble ourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you. And that exalting is not just for you to be seen as some great person. That exalting is so that He might use you in some miraculous way in order to bring about the salvation of souls. The other thing that I saw from Mary is that she, she was a good listener. I'm afraid too many of us that, that if we were facing with a situation like hers, this angel shows up, too many of us would, would be too busy talking and not listening to what this angel would have to say. And I'm, I'm afraid that, that that's one that I would have to ask for forgiveness for from the beginning because sometimes I tend to do that myself. And I'm not asking for any amens this morning on that one either because many of you do too. We spend way too much time talking and not near enough time listening. Last month, God led me to, uh, to preach at the jail from James chapter 1. Talking about the, the, the thing that gets us in trouble so often is that that's our issue. Instead of stopping and listening and, you know, and trying to figure out what's going on in a situation, we just react, Right? And so often that reaction is not right, and what happens? We end up in trouble. And then when we put a series of those together, yeah, we can wind up with a life of trouble. So something else I think we can learn from her is, is that we need to spend a little more time listening because God did give us, you've heard this before, right? He gave us two ears and how many mouths? So he wants us to do how much listening? twice as much listening as we do talking. James chapter 1 verse 19, it says, Know this, my beloved brothers, let every person be quick to hear and slow to speak. I think another thing that we can learn from this recipient this morning is, is that she was sexually pure at this moment. 1 Corinthians 6.18 tells us to flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. I don't think I have to say a whole lot more about that, but if, you know, if that's something that you're, that you're dealing with, it's not okay. God wants to help you. He wants to restore you from that also. And of course, the third thing that we see from, from this recipient, Mary, this morning is that she was obedient to God's call. And I think that this is an area to where we can all say, God, I'm, I'm sorry, I need some work in this area. I use my own personal testimony and in dealing with, with this obedience, when God originally called me to the, to the ministry, I ran from Him for five years. And as that has become part of my testimony, those were not a fun five years. I can literally, as, 
You know, as hindsight gets clearer and clearer for me, I can, I can look at that moment. I remember it like it was yesterday. I was, I was bowed in prayer in a chair in a house that we lived in in, in Brooks, Shepherdsville area of Louisville. And I just knew it like, like I knew my name, that, that God wanted more. I didn't know what it was, but I knew He wanted more. And the, the next week I stood up at church and walked the aisle and, and, and surrendered my life to the ministry. I didn't know what that would look like. The enemy came in the, in the following days and, and sold me on two things. The first one that I knew I'd have to go to school and I didn't do so good in school the first time, so you can't do this. You can't do this. That was the, you know, the, the thought that just kept coming to my mind. You can't do this. And the next one was the fact that at that point in my life, I was running as hard as I could after the almighty dollar. And I knew preachers didn't make a whole lot of money. <coughs> Do they, Andrew? I knew they didn't make a whole lot of money. So I ran from God for five years, and ultimately he showed me that I definitely I wasn't going to have any money or any smarts if I kept on. And of course, we can look to the Bible for all kinds of examples of people who have run from God. And of course, Jonah is the one that's, if you've spent any time in the Word of God, he's, he's there. But what did Mary say? She said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. So basically, the question for each of us is, are these areas that we need to work on in our life in order that God can, can begin doing the impossible? Again, my, my, my prayer is that this morning as we encounter the Word of God is that, that, that something will be inspired inside of us. That this would be something that we would be running after as hard as we're running after the things of this world. So obviously this morning the, the final impossible is shown through a Savior named Jesus. And folks, the only response to this one this morning is just simply for us to, to be reminded of the gospel. To be reminded of of why we're brought back to these verses virtually every year. This is the beginning. When we share the good news of what Jesus has done, literally we're, we're telling a story of things that are impossible for man to do. It is impossible for a woman to have a child without the contribution of a man. In some way, shape, or form. Now granted, in our day and age, he doesn't have to be in the room anymore, does he? No, he doesn't. But he does have to be in the line somewhere. It's impossible. But God did the impossible to show us who he really is.
and how much He loves us. So we see an impossible birth happen. Then we see an impossible resurrection. In Acts chapter 2, verses 22 through 24, we find this in, in Peter's first Christian sermon. This is the first time a believer in Jesus Christ stood up and preached the Word of God, preached the Gospel. And this is what he said. Men of Israel, hear these words. And I'm going to replace this morning men and women of Breckenridge County, of Hancock County, Grayson County, Ohio County, whatever county you came from. Hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through Him in your midst, as you yourselves know. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of lawless men. So he is saying that Jesus died, right? God raised him up, loosing the pangs of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. If someone was to die in our midst here this morning, could we raise them from the dead in our own power? God showing the impossible, that He is able to do the impossible. And then finally, we see this, this impossible ascension. In Acts chapter 1, we see, we see these disciples of, of Jesus standing there. He just told them some pretty important stuff. Told them to don't do anything until this Holy Spirit of mine falls upon you. And it says, as they were looking on, He was lifted up and a cloud took Him out of their sight. And while they were gazing into heaven... As he went, behold, two men stood by them in white robes. Once again, who was present? Angels. Why do you stand looking into heaven? This Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Again, impossible for us. Why do you think he did everything that way? <laughs> Ken, I can always count on you. I thank the Lord for you, my friend. I think he did it to show us that there's nothing in our lives that he can't change. There's nothing that you're struggling with right now. Nothing that you think is holding you back from doing what He's calling you to do, there's nothing that He can't just wipe out like that. This morning, I, I tried to overwhelm you with 
with the angels. And I, I wish I'd have had two or three hours to do it because I, I don't think I did any justice of it. I think you need to go home and, and you need to do the same study that I did because I was overwhelmed at what the angels have accomplished in the past and are doing right now. But I want you to hear, and I'm going to close this morning with the reading of Hebrews chapter 1. It's awesome, amazing as the stuff is that the angels have done. Listen to what the Scriptures say. In Hebrews chapter 1, it begins by saying, Long ago at many times and in many ways God spoke to our fathers, fathers by the prophets. But in these last days He has spoken to us by His Son, whom He appointed the heir of all things, through whom also He created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of His nature, and He upholds the universe by the word of His power. After making purification for sins, He sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name He has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Go allow yourselves to be amazed at what the angels have done and then come to this verse. Having become as much superior to angels as the name he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. Then he goes on, For to which of the angels did God ever say, You are my son, today I have begotten you. Or again, I will be to him a father and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, this is our story this morning. When he brings that firstborn, he said, let all God's angels worship him. This is the awe of the Christmas season, being in awe of, of Jesus. Of the angels, he says, he makes his angels winds and his ministers a flame of fire. But of the Son, he says, your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Wickedness, therefore, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness beyond your companions. And you, Lord, laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment, like a robe. You will roll them up like a garment. They will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will have no end. And to which of the angels has he ever said, Set at my right hand until I make your enemies a footstool for your feet. Are they not all ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation. What's impossible with God? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. And for us to sit in this place, for us to live lives that, that aren't allowing at least some glimpse of that to shine through, Shame on us. Shame on us this season for allowing anything to happen other than just this magnificent rejoicing of what God has done for us and what He will do for anyone who will simply put their belief in Him. 
Father, I thank you so much. I thank you, Father, that you've not left us unaware of not only what you've done for us, but how you've done it. You can do anything, God, but, but we struggle with that. We live in a day and age that, that just pushes us to do all that we can do and to, to have all that we want. But God, you want to do so much more and the majority of what you do through us that's magnificent, it, it, it's for others. It's not for ourselves. Father, forgive us for being so selfish. So Father, this morning, if there are those in this room, Lord, and I know that there are, who struggle with this, who struggle with whether, whether you truly can bring about healing in their life, who, who truly can save them knowing the things that, that they've done. Lord, I pray that they've heard this morning that it doesn't matter. You did the miraculous in sending your Son in order to show us that you can do the same in us. So, Lord, I pray that you do that work right now. Help us, Lord, not to be afraid. Just as Mary was afraid, you, told, you sent your angel Gabriel and told him to tell her, do not be afraid. Give, them, give us each courage, Lord. We need it. It's in your Son Jesus' name we pray. Again, I, our prayer has been and continues that God has spoken something to you this morning. I don't know what that something is, but right now is your opportunity to, while it's hopefully hot, while the fire is burning, hopefully in your heart, respond to that in whatever way God you feel God calling you to, whether it's to, to come and pray, whether, whether you need to accept this, this, this impossible story you've heard for yourself, Andrew and I will be, be standing here in the front to help in any way we can. Love you guys.